Is there a secret to living longer? Do happy people, people with less anxiety, have healthier lives? Increasing their years and the quality of their lives? It's a very intriguing question. We often talk about health, long life in terms of physical health, exercise, good diet, other elements of physical behavior. But there isn't enough focus on the spiritual dimension. So please join me in this conversation, which is critical for our very health and for our long life. Do spiritual people live longer? Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we will be discussing Do Spiritual People Live Longer? This program is dedicated by Robin Blumenthal in loving memory of her dear Aunt Doris Dreza Bas Aaron. So much talk about there about health, longer life, but the focus is generally on physical health meaning a good diet, exercise, getting enough sleep, and in general, a hygiene and a lifestyle that that lends itself to maintaining and cultivating a healthy life, a healthy body. But what about the effects of our emotional state, our level of happiness, our level of anxiety? In the broad context, our psychological health, and even deeper, our spiritual health. What effect does that have on our physical health and even our our very years and life expectancy? Now, obviously, there are no magic tricks and there are no buttons to press, but there's no question that being that a human being is a holistic whole, and we're not just a body, but we have a soul within that body, and that soul consists of attitudes, mindset, feelings, behaviors, generally the cognitive, emotional, and behavioral functionality of a person, not to mention, of course, the superconscious, that addressing that will have direct impact. And improving and refining that part of our lives will have direct impact on the very length of our years and the quality of our years. So let's unpack this a bit. One of the simplest ways perhaps to describe it is something we all can relate to. What does anxiety make you feel like? When a person is anxious, what happens? So we know it's draining, it's overwhelming, it uh, paralyzes us in some, to some extent, doesn't allow us to focus and concentrate, I mean, the effect of anxiety is far-reaching. Some things we can't even quantify. 
So there's no doubt that it has direct impact on the person. Now imagine sustained anxiety, God forbid, on an ongoing basis, not once or twice or only during certain moments. Listen, everyone's going to go through life, a loss, a source of grief, something that will cause anxiety. But if it's ongoing on a daily basis or on an ongoing basis, it does wear us down. It's no different than any illness that would affect and cause erode essentially the person's immune system. So much study, many studies, and much discussion has been held about this and continues to be held, and more new breakthroughs, new thoughts, new theories. So the converse is also true, happiness. Happiness would suggest a state of calm, state of relaxation, which just on a very basic sense is not putting the same stress and pressure on us. And I'm just using those terms, anxiety, happiness, there's many other terms that people use, especially if you start getting into the areas, the clinical areas of depression or other mood changes or mood effects on our lives. So happiness is that calm. It's like going into calm waters, very different than going into a stormy water. And its effect on us is also a healing one. So they're right there, without even going further, you already have a formula. Less anxiety, less pressure on your very system. There are times where we need that extra energy in a moment of a crisis, a moment of danger, where we need to muster up more strength, whatever the reason may be. But if a person is always on overdrive, that's not the way it works. That will break down the machine. So a machine needs to have the capacity to do so, but not actually act on it. So then, of course, the big question is, what's the secret to happiness? What's the secret to minimizing anxiety? Is it just a pill? Is it therapy? So here we enter into the realm of the soul, of the spirit. I'll share a story, one of my favorite stories, even though it's a very sad, it's a, in some ways a very uh, uh, sad story, but also extremely, extremely empowering story. It's a sad story due to the circumstances, as you'll see. But it captures a tremendous lesson in life that we'll discuss. It's a story that happened in 1927. Yeah, we're talking almost 100 years ago. And it was in the former Soviet Union, right after the Bolshevik Revolution, which created a, a true, uh, through the entire country in upheaval. But the ones who suffered most were, especially the Jews, as often is the case. And they were persecuted. Because religion in general, and Judaism in particular, was seen as a threat to the welfare of the country. So there was one particular leader, his name is Rabbi Joseph Isaac Schneerson, the sixth Chabad Rebbe, who was a particular enemy, considered an enemy, because he was resolute, unwavering, impossible to threaten and break. So he was seen as a direct enemy. And the sad and tragic part of this is, among many other things, that it was especially the Jewish communists who were the most rabid anti-Semites. 
and hated everything about religion. Many of them were grandchildren, actually, of the grandparents of Rabbi Schneerson. They were followers, they were Hasidim, they were disciples of his. But now they turn very, with, with complete venom, everything they can do to have this man stopped. They felt that they could stop him, they'll stop his followers, it will undermine so-called, what they would call the counter-revolutionary effort of him and the, and the others, who were simply looking for one thing and one thing only, just let us worship God as we see fit, educate our children as we see fit. They weren't threatening anyone, they weren't in any type of power, they weren't, they weren't challenging the political leadership. But their spirit was committed not to the cause of the Soviets, of the communist revolution, it was to the Jewish revolution going back thousands of years. They finally had him arrested. And you can imagine arrest then was not a matter of uh, due process and you have a court case and, uh, and you, you're fairly represented. No. It was basically only a prosecution and they could shoot you on the spot. Thousands, millions were shot, were killed. So he was in extreme, threat, extreme, uh, in extreme danger. But he writes in his diaries, which is a story of its own. I don't want to go into all the details. I'm elaborating because this is all relevant to our story and relevant to our theme. He writes in his diary, which he actually called, interestingly, a tractate from hell. That's what he called it in, in Hebrew, Mesech de Gehenna. Tractate from hell because he was living in a living hell. Torture, the persecution, the complete inhumanity in these prisons. And he writes that he made a decision in his heart as soon as he arrested, was arrested that as much as they control his movements, but they will not control his spirit. And he will not cooperate in any way. He insisted on having his religious items with him, his prayer shawl, his tefillin. He insisted on speaking in Yiddish even though he spoke fluent Russian. And this was for him a sense of keeping the dignity, maintaining his dignity and and, and resolute spirit to be able to get through these difficult times. Now, of course, this infuriated them even more. So at one point, one of the guards, who was one of these Jewish, what was called Yevsexia, Jewish anti-Semites, Jewish communists, pointed a gun to the Rebbe's head and said, Rebbe, in Yiddish, this has changed many people's mind You will cooperate. And the Rebbe turned to him unfazed and says firmly, this toy, this tzatzke in Yiddish, this toy can frighten someone that has one world and many gods, but not someone that has one god and many worlds. Frighten someone who has one world, this material world, and many gods. Every day there's another god, the god of pleasure, the god, the god of sexuality, the god of money, the god of power, the god of control. But not someone that has one god and many worlds. So he turns to the Rebbe and says, we will see who will prevail. And the Rebbe looked at him and unblinking says, not missing a beat, Yes, we will see who whom, who will prevail. Within weeks, that 
person, as many of his cohorts were killed. That was the process. Everybody was being killed. Even the tormentors themselves were killed by other tormentors. And the Rebbe ultimately, miraculously, was freed. Came out of that country, went to Europe, and then ultimately came to the United States in 1940. Yes, in many ways they physically tortured him and broke him, but not spiritually. What was the Rebbe saying, and what is the lesson to us? Let's just use an example from uh, business, finance. They say diversification, diversify, diversify, diversify. Don't have only one portfolio. Don't put your eggs all in one basket. Because when one thing is fail, fails, you always have something else to turn to. In life as well, you want to keep all your options. You want to have several different streams of revenue. You want to have different places to turn to. So even if one is not working as well, you have something else to turn to. The Rebbe was saying when you have one world and many gods and are fickle and are constantly shifting because you have no value system, absolute value system that you can rest upon, a foundation, what kind of building can stand with a foundation that's shaky? So, so things frighten you. You don't want to lose your life. So a gun can frighten anyone like that. On the other hand, the Rebbe was saying, now he wasn't trying to embrace death, God forbid. Of course he wanted to live. But you're not going to frighten me. Because even if you take away my physical life, I have many other dimensions to my life. I have my family. I have my community. I have my belief system. I have my values. I have my God. And those all are unwavering. So you take one thing away, I have plenty to rely on. So you can't frighten me. It's not the end. I remember once flying on a plane with someone. A person, we were friends. We were going to a wedding in Minnesota. And as the plane was about to take off, I saw this guy who I saw as a tough, strong, confident person starts trembling. He's terrified of flying. Over all these years, every time a plane takes off, he, he begins to tremble. And I said, why? He says, because it could always crash, and then life is over. I said, but life is not over. Yes, nobody wants a plane to crash, God forbid, and nobody wants to die. But by him, it was his vision of life was simply the beginning and end of the physical. That's not the reason a person shouldn't tremble because they know their spiritual life, no matter what happens. It just creates a balanced way of looking at things. When you put everything into a box and say, this is what's going to bring me happiness, and only this, so soon that's missing, you're going to become anxious. So what is spirituality? What does a spiritual life mean? Spiritual life means a life of transcendence, a life of options, a life where you can spread your wings and soar, that there's much more to life than just what it meets the eye. It's broadening and widening your horizons. And when you have that, that gives you security, that gives you strength. And when that strength comes into you, that absolutely makes you a healthier person. Again, we don't know the mysteries of life and death, but we're talking about what efforts we can make. I would say this is probably the single most, thing, most important thing to living a healthy and long life. Not to dismiss the physical. Eating well, sleeping well, exercise, everything that we're told to live the best possible life. But even deeper than that is living a meaningful life, a purposeful life. Because what that does, it creates a deep calm inside you that can be taken from you. The expression that when you're bound above, you don't fall below. The more you're connected to eternal values, the stronger it makes you, 
that when we walk on this earth with all the twists and turns and unknowns, and there's plenty of reasons, plenty of uncertainty, especially today, that can make us anxious, that can keep us on edge, and wears us down. Yes, it affects us. It affects our health. It affects our psychology. It affects our attitudes. It affects our confidence. All that can be lower, that temperature, when you have that core at the center that is a unwavering, unshakable foundation. That's what's called living spiritually. It's living with a deeper purpose. Another way of putting it is, is it an egocentric life or is it a purpose-driven life or a purpose-centric life? Egocentric or God-centric? And what I mean by God here, I'm not talking about necessarily in the religious context. I'm talking about God as that higher reality, something more than just me, me, me. So you would think taking care of yourself and think focusing solely on yourself is the best way to be the healthiest person. No, it's not. Why is fresh air so important to life? And you have stale air, creates an environment that's a breeding ground for, for infection and so on. You need to open the windows. You need fresh air. And fresh air is not just physically, also psychologically. If you're stuck in your own echo chamber, speaking to people, the same people, and you hear the same news, not good for a human being. We need to open our doors. We need to be able to speak to other people, hear other ideas, even ideas that we don't agree with. Fresh new ideas. It's healthy for a person. That's what an organism needs. We need to breathe. When we're in a, in a locked place, not healthy for a person, even if you have air. But fresh air is critical. And look at our very process of breathing. Inhale, exhale. Contraction, expansion of our heart. Constant movement. You're breathing in fresh air. You ingest it, and then it becomes part of your blood, oxygenizes, and you exhale the carbon monoxide. Was it carbon dioxide? <laughs> and then you breathe in again fresh air. That's the process. The same thing is psychologically and spiritually. Looking up, looking at the wider horizons of life. That is necessary and healthy for the human being. And when you have those unwavering and those, that solid foundation that's firm, like the roots of a tree, then the tree can expand in all directions, branch out, bear fruit if it's a fruit tree. That's what healthy life is about. And that's a long life. So it's the roots of the tree that are critical for the tree to continue to grow and continue to endure. Take away the roots. As big as the tree may look, it's temporary. And the same thing is when you're talking about a spiritual life. So it's about looking for those values that are not changing in our lives. Values of virtue, generosity, gratitude, compassion, altruism, love, searching for the truth. And that's what I would suggest. Write down a list of your unwavering values and see how much time you dedicate to that. Make sure you dedicate time to that because that is the secret to a long life. Guaranteed. What it does is it 
flushes your whole system with something that is not driven by the vicissitudes of daily life, the roller coaster that we're on. You go to work, you don't know what you're expecting, you don't know who you're going to meet. Anything can shake you. But that's when you don't have the foundation. When you have the foundation, nothing will frighten you. Nothing will shake you. That doesn't mean life doesn't have its challenges. There'll be challenges, but you have resources to turn to because you've diversified. If you invest all your life in your work and then something shakes up your work, you lose your job or something like that, or things are not going as well, what do you turn to? Like everything's taken from you. Whereas if you have that diversification where you have one God and many worlds, so then you have another world to look at. You have family. You have your commitments. You have the things you volunteer for. You have your faith. You have your values. You have your, your hobbies, the things you enjoy, music, art. The more you have, and especially the things that are eternal, the healthier your life will be. And the healthier your life will be, the less anxiety-ridden, the less pressure and stress on your very system. That's the formula. But it takes an investment because it's not automatic. Very often the things that we do for instant gratification are the things that bring us most anxiety because that's exactly what instant gratification does. As soon as it's over, you need another shot, another high. Let's go back to the ego. I remember reading once, I think it was a, a Turkish custom where a woman was saying that her grandmother taught her that um, when you dry, draw a circle around yourself, so yes, it creates a certain self-contained element, but what happens then is that you don't have that breathing space because you have no door out and no door in. Love is about open, is creating doors between people. Why is love so important to our lives? So of course there's the as aspect of connection and attachment and belonging, security, trust, the validation that it brings. But there's another aspect. It's also a relationship with another, not yourself. So ego tends to become, yes, it may feel good taking care of myself, but at the end of the day, it doesn't allow you to be the healthiest you can be. And if there's an infection, it festers when you have a closed circle. <laughs> Love opens up the door, opens up the circle to others. And as a result... It creates that healthy give and take, that healthy exhale and inhale that creates and that is the breeding ground for healthy things. The circle also, as that Turkish custom teaches, helps destroy things. And sometimes that's necessary. If you enclose an infection, you make sure it doesn't spread, you contain it, that's how you eliminate it. But that tells you that the closed circle will kill certain things, and some things need to be killed. But you don't want that to be happening to the healthy part of yourself. So the egocentric life is essentially an unhealthy form of life. We all should have a healthy ego. We all should have a sense of healthy self-esteem. But you have to open that circle. You have to have relationships, a give and take. You learn from others, and they learn from you. That... That exchange, that cross-pollination is so vital for a healthy life. That symbiosis 
And you see it everywhere in nature. You see it in the human body. So all this adds to the equation of living a spiritual life. That a spiritual person, yes, will live longer and live healthier. So besides the damage control, that it takes away those forces that create so much anxiety. So it's not just the absence. A happy life, a spiritual life, is not just the absence of anxiety. It's far more than that. That's one part of it. The other part is that it flushes your system, it introduces into your system fresh air, and fresh air from new perspectives. So on a practical level, I mentioned list items, the values, the eternal values that you can hold on to that are your unwavering foundations. But I will also suggest an exercise, a daily exercise. On the cognitive level, on the emotional, and on the behavioral level. That every day, immerse yourself in a spiritual spa. Spa is an acronym for study, prayer, action. Or in other words, study, get your mind, your cognitive conditioning. Read something every day. It could be a short thing that's spiritual in nature, that takes your mind to other places. That's not about the, the daily grind of life. Not about survival. Some transcendent ideas. Something that challenges your mind. A new way of looking at things. It could be something in science. It could be something in, 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 in any area of life that allows you to open up your mind to new ideas. On the second level, on the emotional conditioning, a prayer, a poem, a song. Something that does the same to your heart and to your emotions. Gets you out of your comfort zone. Gets you out of your regular routine to open up new emotions, new feelings. Even if it's a feeling you've had, but a new surge of it. Something reinvigorating you, revitalizing you. And finally, on the behavioral level, SBA, study, prayer, action. Every day do an, an act of kindness, at least one. Reach out to someone who may need a kind word. Give some extra charity. Send out a message to people on your contact list. Message that you forward or your own thought that warms hearts, that's inspiring, that's insightful. A behavior, some form of behavior that is behavioral conditioning. And we have the behavioral conditioning on a daily basis and the emotional conditioning, and the cognitive conditioning, that's how you're exercising the muscles of your soul. In addition to all the other exercises and healthy eating and sleeping habits and other habits that you have, take care of the physical side. That will ensure that you widen your options, that you diversify, that you have more sources of strength, of calm, of peace, of happiness, contentment, to allow your soul to breathe, to allow you to breathe. And that in turn, more breath, more fresh air, creates a healthier life and a longer life. There's so much more to say on this topic. If you'd like more information, especially on these exercises, please write to us. Please write to us at MeaningfulLife.com. Just contact at MeaningfulLife.com. I will send you a, a written-out exercise laying out the details of what I just described. And in, in general, please stay in touch with us. Again, MeaningfulLife.com is our website. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And please share. I'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your comments, suggestions. 
So with that, may I wish and bless you with a healthy, long life, a life of healthy spirit and a healthy body, one with purpose, meaning, that foundation, be tied above to make sure you don't fall below. Thank you so much. This has been Simon Jacobson. Be blessed. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.